Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to this part nine of the Keegan Odyssey, where we look back at Kevin Keegan's book. Um, fuck, I've forgotten what it's called again. My, Kevin Keegan. Electric uh, Mouse. My Life is an Electric Mouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we left you in episode eight where Ke- Keegan had just uh, faced um, an FA commission because he'd had a fight with Billy Bremner in the Charity Shield. Yeah. And for some inexplicable reason, Tommy Smith was invited along as a character witness <laughs> for Keegan. <laughs> and he. Uh, he, he <laughs> decimated the entire commission and its integ- integrity. I think he turned up pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Started throwing things about. Got his cock yeah. out. <laughs> Challenged Matt Busby to a fight in the car park. And as a result, both Keegan and Bremner were banned for 11 matches, which was oh, then a, a record, I think. And uh, this coincided with Bob Paisley taking over as Liverpool manager after Bill Shankly had retired. So Kev says that the ban meant I didn't play a league game for Bob Paisley till the first week of October and I was also fined £500. Billy had to fork out the same. We were told the punishments were increased because of the way we had both thrown our shirts to the ground as we left the pitch. Oh. That's quite a, uh, an iconic image, that isn't it? Of them, it is, two yeah. of them, they had a they had a fist fight on the pitch, and they were both sent off, and they both strode off one after the other, chucking their shirts to the ground. Muscular, like two thoroughbreds. Definitely, yeah. Small, veins, veins, sinewy. Yeah, veins pulsing yeah. out of their lean, sinewy bodies. Oh, yeah. quite an enduring image. Like circus midgets on steroids. Yeah, almost. <laughs> but. Um, it was the first charity shield to be shown on television, says Kevin. So I think everyone would be going, oh, this charity thing's fucking good, isn't it? Look at this, they're fighting each other. Is this like and that's why football, ever since we've been tricked into watching it every year, despite the fact yeah. it's shit. Yeah. We keep thinking that if we just give it one more year, we might get to see a punch-up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Kevin Kevin has a little bit of a bite back. He says, uh, we knew they were going to throw the book at us, but it was still a bit rich to have Vernon Stokes, the chairman of the FA's Disciplinary Commission, lecturing me for my behaviour when this was the man who had been suspended for financial irregularities during his time of chairman of Portsmouth. So I don't think he takes well to authority, Kevin. I think um, this is something that's sort of coming through. He's his own man very much. And then again, Matt Busby was also on the commission. Uh, again, I had to bite my tongue, knowing the reputation of Manchester United supporters at that time, he said, when he said our behaviour might encourage trouble on the terraces. Um, and there's the rival thing, of course, between Liverpool and Manchester United, so he was a bit pissed off about that as well. Yeah. He, he'd socialised in Manchester a lot when he was a Liverpool player, and, and one night he'd come across Matt Busby, who was out with one of his players, Paddy Crerand. Can you imagine yeah. that? A manager going out on the lash 
one of their players. With one of the lads. Yeah. Weird. And then and taking Keegan under their wing for a few drinks. Yeah. He says, it would have um, been like Alex Ferguson going out for a drink with, let's say, Phil Jones and then bumping <laughs> in, bumping into Jordan Henderson and going, all right, why don't you come and join us? Let's all have a night out together. Yeah. I, a 74-year-old man, and you two <laughs> young athletes. Yeah. Um, Kev says they were great company. Uh, and I was trying to suppress my laughter as they played a trick on one of the people on our table. The trick was for pa- Matt and Paddy to rub a burnt candle wick between their fingers and without this guy twigging, blacken his face in as many ways as possible throughout the night. Oh, well, I've known, f- I know about this game. This is like close-up magic, isn't it? Yeah. You know about this game. Have you played this game before? I've played it and it's been called Pinchy Pinchy. Right. So you've you've got a burnt candle wick. Is yeah. that just on the table or is well, it secreted used to between use, um, your legs? Fagash. We used to use fagash. <clears throat> right. And um, so what do you do? How do you, how do you blacken someone's face? Well, where we used to do it face? was we, we, um, we said, let's play pinchy pinchy and you'd be sat around the table and the idea would be one person around the table wasn't in on the gag and the rest of yeah. you were and you yeah. dress it up as a memory game along the lines of I went to the shops and bought so you oh, turn right. to the person to your left and you'd go pinchy pinchy right <clears> cheek <throat> and then that turns the person on their left and go pinchy pinchy right cheek pinchy pinchy left cheek mm. and do a pinch and it went all round different parts of their face but when it got to the person who wasn't in on the gag the person next to them would have been surreptitiously rubbing their finger and thumb in the ashtray back yeah. in the days when there was always an ashtray on the table right got you and so as the game went on that person was progressively getting more and more black ashy smudges all over their face right yeah, it was a cruel that's... game and I yeah. had one bloke got all the way he he left the lunch and got all the way to a meeting in another <laughs> like quite far away on the train without noticing the ash was there <laughs> and they stayed on his face half a day in another case my brother's uh, girlfriend it was then his his new girlfriend hence why she wasn't in on the gag she mm. realised that she'd been the victim of it and was quite pissed and was so put out that she'd been the stooge in our game she mm. smashed a glass on my brother's head Hmm. Not unreasonable, I say. No, but it was only a bit of fag ash. I mean, she could have killed him. Yeah. It's only a bit of fun, you miserable fucker. Yeah, it is Um, a horrible game. And Kev says, the poor guy was covered in smudges by the time they were finished, and I was still laughing when I popped into the gents at the end of the night. (laughs) Then I looked in the mirror and realised the swines had done me too. The swines. (laughs) Oh, those heckin' swines. And he says, 1-0 to Manchester United on that occasion. <laughs> <laughs> he then Fuck talks us, though. About... They'd made a right twat out of Kevin Keegan. <laughs> I'd be back. I'd get him back, and I did. <laughs> he talks about um, Norman Hunter's testimonial, mm. and Kev starred in a Don Revy 11, and it was the same season that he and Billy, Billy Bremner had been banned. The They'd gone show. at it. And he says, I felt like a marked man. And Norman Hunter, bless him, took great pleasure in harpooning me with a trademark challenge. (laughs) Jesus. He says it was a bad one, even by his standards. And when I gingerly got back to my feet, I asked him whether it was the done thing to crock someone that way in a benefit match. Naively, I believed him when he smiled and said it wouldn't happen again. (laughs) (laughs) Next time he poleaxed me, he looked down at me and smiled again. You don't think I'm going to change for a testimonial, do you? Fuck you now. And then 
He's After there to the help game, him make money. Yeah, and he's assaulting him. After yeah. the game, uh, Norman gave me a clock to thank me for my contribution, and I limped away from Ellen Road to count my bruises, as I often did in those days. Hey, you are, here's a clock, you little cunt. Now, fuck off. Uh, there's a clock for you. Cheers, Kev. He's, Have this clock. Are you still moaning about me kicking you up in the sky? Well, here, here's oh. a fucking clock. I think I might be out of action for up to two months. Fuck yeah, now you've had your clock, haven't you? That's well, how you can the- pass the time. If you're out injured, stare at that clock if you're yeah. bored. Count the hours down on this fucking clock. I found it. <laughs> now fuck off. <laughs> All right, Norman, there's no need to get like that. I said fuck fucking off. <laughs> Disappointed, I picked up my clock and I fucked off. <laughs> He goes on to talk about his last season at Liverpool and um, he ended up with 20 goals and finished as runner-up to Alan Siemensen in the European Footballer of the Year vote. And then, again, a little bit of needle comes into play, um, a little bit of injustice against mm. Kev. I might have actually won the trophy in 77 if the scoring system had been different. <laughs> um, I mean, he went on to win it in the following two years at Hamburg. I oh, know, but that's not enough for Kev. It's not, it's not, this is ever the enough. sort of competitive drive that made him who he is. Exactly, exactly. Of the 25 voting countries, 11 picked me in first place, whereas only seven picked Simmonson. The Dane had seven runner-up votes opposed to my three and gained extra points by being nominated in third position three times. So he sat and he's gone through the whole yeah. of the scoring Why system. Why didn't they use the single transferable vote system? It's much what's more wrong, fair. What's wrong with first past the post like we have in Parliament? Yeah. What's with <laughs> all this proportional representation? It's very European, isn't it? <laughs> very unjust. No wonder we're leaving Europe. <laughs> no complaints, he says, but I must have played pretty well to finish ahead of Michel Platini and Johan Cruyff to name but two. So <laughs> you, you, could, you could name every other player in Europe yes, apart from him and Alan Simpson. just Simonson. two of them th- there's just two of them that I'm scientifically proven to have been better at football then. <laughs> and in my mind, I was better than Simerson as well. Stupid little Dane. I don't even know which league he played in. Um, so he's, he's, this is the season when he, he, he left Liverpool at the end of the season. Uh, Bob Paisley's first season. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Paisley's first season, was it? Oh, it must have been. Hmm. But I'm sure he said he won something like six trophies under Paisley, but he can't have won that in a year. Six uh, trophies in a year. They let him do. They let us do extras that year because we were that good. And I still wasn't as good as Alan Simmonson, apparently. <laughs> they gave us two FA Cups. We were so good at it. <laughs> so it, what happened was he'd actually announced at the start of the 76-77 season that he'd agreed a deal to leave Liverpool and move abroad the following summer as long as the club received a British record transfer fee of 500000 mm. So he'd gone to Liverpool and says, fuck this, I'm off. Um, and you know, concocted this deal whereby the the trigger was five hundred thousand. Uh, so basically, he was up for sale. He had, a, he had a price tag on his forehead for the whole of that season. Weird. Very well. It's typical Kevin as a pioneer, wasn't he? No, yeah. no other players had an office in a junk shop back then. No, no other players had as many uh, commercial opportunities that they were realising. No player had a lolly. No player before or since has had a lolly stick made in his form. Mm. Exactly. So he had a five hundred thousand pound price tag on him, uh, and he said, "I wanted to make it public so nobody felt deceived when the time arrived, but it was tough, and I didn't enjoy the way my commitment was questioned." <laughs> so he said, "If he was having a bad game." 
people were saying he didn't care because he's off at the end of the season. The critics really turned on me after we lost against Manchester United in the FA Cup final. I hadn't played well, but it hurt and irritated me. People were saying my heart was not in it. Uh, and of course, that was his, that was his penultimate game for Liverpool because the European Cup final came four days later. Um, I maintain it was better to be open about my plans and begin my long goodbye with a year's notice. It's that thing again. It doesn't skulk off quietly from any situation. No. He cast your mind back to when he was at Newcastle as a player and he, he, he retired at the end of his second season at Newcastle and left mm. St James's Park in a fucking helicopter. Helicopter, yeah. Helicopter yeah, off and, to and, yeah, and then quitting in the bogs for England. It's always a big deal. Yeah. He's not one for what they call the French exit. The French exit, <laughs> which is my preferred way of leaving any social function, is to just disappear. I can't mm. bother with the goodbyes. They're just boring yeah, just and time-consuming. Cool. Yeah. So you just fuck off. He's the opposite of that. I bet if he leaves a party, he gets up on a table, makes a speech, and then does a somersault through the bloody glass window. And there's a guard of honour at the door on yeah. his way out. It gave Liverpool time to find a replacement, and they certainly chose well when they signed Kenny Dalgleish from Celtic. Oh, fucking damn right they did, Kev. And that's the, and that's the last I'll say about Ken, Kenneth Dalgleish. <laughs> <laughs> I never played alongside him. I have no opinions of Kenny Dalgleish. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> We Story didn't have over. English football on TV in Germany, so I never got to watch how good he was. Apparently, he'd come from Scotland, which is a country <laughs> to the north of England. That's as much as I know. <laughs> Let's move on to the bit where I become crowned best player in Europe. <laughs> Twice. And Kenneth Dalglish is not. <laughs> uh, he says he, he thinks he made the club reassess how they looked after everyone in the dressing room we were winning the biggest honours and establishing ourselves as the dominant team in Europe yet I was joining a club that had not finished higher than 6th in the Bundesliga for 20 years so why are you going then oh my new salary of 400,000 Deutschmarks a year the equivalent of 100,000 was more than 3 times what I was earning at Anfield so he went for the money basically it was quite simple. Uh, I went for the money. <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer right there. Next question. You might think that I'm you might think that I'm couching my motivations in some uh, some kind of flowery language, but no, I went for the money. I went for I went all the money. money. I went lots entirely motivated by the money. But as a happy bonus, we won the league and I was crowned European Footballer of the Year twice. Does <laughs> that answer touched- your question sufficiently? I hope so. Have you ever touched the Deutschmark? Oh my God, they're beautiful. <laughs> There's a thickness to the paper quality that you just don't get in pound sterling. <laughs> so he still he still bitches away at Liverpool. For, for too long, Liverpool had often disproportionately low salaries and abused the fact that everyone was so desperate to play for them. The club sorted it out after I left and stopped trying to do everything on the cheap. It was about time. It was about me. <laughs> to this day they still call it the Keegan rule internally they'll never say it out loud so you won't know but I know it's written on pieces of paper that are circulated within the higher echelons of Anfield so the other clubs they call it a salary but uh, at Liverpool they still call it the Keegan rule <laughs> and the rule is simple pay people what they deserve or more if necessary like, like what you didn't do with Kevin Keegan when he was there and you lost him and it was never Let's the same never again, the was same it? never the same mistake again as we did with our greatest ever player, Kevin admittedly, Keegan. Admittedly, you went on to win three more European Cups and countless league titles and FA Cups and League Cups, but was it ever the same? I don't think it you, was. As far as I'm concerned, you bought that success. <laughs> you didn't earn it, not like when I was there. 
You bought that success with the high wages you started paying players after Kevin Keegan left. <laughs> John Toshak was often not paid at all, but he didn't care. He turned up for the love of the game. <laughs> he talks about his um, the time towards the end at Liverpool. Uh, I was starting to feel as I was playing almost from memory. I knew the entire routine from corners, free kicks, where I had to stand at throw-ins, what to do when I had the ball, where exactly Steve Highway or John Toshak would be when I wanted to release it. I felt in a rut. Is that not the dream position to be in? Yeah. To be Instinct. in a team, yeah, team that's winning and you know exactly what you need to do and how I to carry call that it on. A beautiful rut. And it's what yeah. all men in any line of work aspire yeah. to. Because a beautiful so, rut. Because so little has to be done and thought about. You don't have to engage your mind at all. No, being an autopilot at all times. It's what me mm. and you yearn for, but, isn't it? But delivering a high standard whilst on autopilot God, is the dream. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't enough for Kevin. He wanted to move to Hamburg. One day, um, hopefully, that will become the slogan of Top Flight Time Machine. Delivering a high standard whilst on autopilot. <laughs> I think it already is. <laughs> and he, he talks to uh, Ian Callaghan, who uh, was his teammate at the time, who questioned why you would want to leave Liverpool and the, and the, the autopilot. Why would you want to leave a club like this? Why would you want to leave a city like this? Where could you possibly go to recreate the experience of playing football in this cathedral? In front of these people, these scouse, scouse people. What could you do elsewhere that would top any of that, Kevin? The smell of it, the sound of it, the touch of the scouse community. You can you get out there on the pitch and you can almost taste them in the back of your throat because they're willing <laughs> you on. It tastes like nectar. Scouse nectar. Which is like a beef soup with with like carrots and that. <laughs> that's what that's what Liverpool tastes like. And it's the sweetest taste known to man. And for you to go to Germany, where they eat fucking sausages morning, no. noon and night for any meal with no gravy at all some of the time. <laughs> Hamburg! I've never even heard of the place. Is that where they make the hamburgers? Because I've never eaten one of them. I've read about them. But I've never put one of them in me gob. You won't catch me eating a bit of beef almost up between two bits of bread. No, thank you. I'll I'm have my down. mum's scouse, thanks very much. I've, I've been looking down the list of ingredients in scouse, Kevin, and there's nothing about an hamburger in there. <laughs> I don't understand. What, what You're turning th- your back on some kind of Xanadu to go and live in fucking Germany, a country that lost the war and makes shite cars. 35 years ago, just 35 years ago, Kev, they bombed our chippy. And now, you want to go and hold hands with them and eat their hamburgers? I don't Have you understand. Any idea? Have you any idea of what this city went through when it fought Germany single-handed in the First and Second World Wars, both of which were won by Liverpool? <laughs> against the combined forces of the Germans, the Japanese, right, and the Itais. Right, all, all all against the Scousers, and the Scousers won twice. And now you're turning your back after everything that's happened to us. 
After that, Chippy got bombed and we had to make our own chips for three fucking years. <laughs> Outdoors, alfresco <laughs> chips. But we did it because that's the kind of people we are. We're we resilient. came together as a community. Even the Evertonians were helping to make the chips because that's what it's like in this city. <laughs> uh, my old mum, her sister was a Tranmere Rovers fan and the day after the chippy was bombed, she came down and battered a piece of cod shoulder to shoulder with us Reds. And it brought a tear to my eye to see it. <laughs> you want to turn your back on all of that? And go over there and drive one of them Volkswagen Beetles around. Oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. You're not the man I thought you were. So Kate Keegan says, uh, I had the Kevin Keegan wanderlust. Callie, I said, maybe the rest of your life here as a Liverpool lad is all you dream of. Oh, my God. Harsh. Yeah. Kelly, you simple, you simple character. You simple figure. You retard. <laughs> Callie, you like some sort of retard. You're stuck here in Liverpool. There's more to the world than this, you know. <laughs> this no, there isn't, said. Kev. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> there really isn't. I've never been. I've never had a look. I, I mean, you know, those great European nights when we've played away in, in you know, St. Etienne and, and, and Italy. I've and never relaxed. seen. I've, I've, I've never had a proper look there because, obviously, once we get there, we put the Scouts blinkers on so we can just look at ourselves. But... It don't smell nice, and I certainly don't taste the scouse in my mouth when I'm out there playing. <laughs> my mum told me, when you get there off the ferry, lad, don't be looking around, because if you do, you'll taint your fucking mind with non-scouse thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you so come Kev... back speaking fucking Belgian. <laughs> Kev says, maybe the rest of your life here as a Liverpool lad is all you dream of. I completely respect that and always will, you idiot. But there's something else for me out there and I have to go with that instinct. Let's not forget that Kevin Kagan wasn't a fucking scouse at the start with. He, came, no. he was brought up with Doncaster and he played for he Scunthorpe. He turned his so. back on Doncaster soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. He turned his back on Liverpool too. Jalapeño. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. Kev played his, his swan song for Liverpool in that uh, 1977 European Cup final against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, and he says, afterwards, one of my greatest memories in all my time in football came back at the team hotel afterwards, toasting our success at the banquet. I felt a tap on the shoulder, turned around to find an unexpected best, an unexpected guest, Bertie Vogts, 
could have been excused for being sick of the sight of me. I'd got away from him for the crucial penalty in the match and three years earlier I'd scored two against his team in the UEFA Cup final. Here he was with a smile on his face. He'd left his teammates to find a hotel and now he wanted to have a drink. You have a fantastic tonight, Kevin, he told me. I wanted to come here to congratulate you all and have a beer. Please sign me, Liverpool. Please sign me. So he says... uh, it blew me away that someone could show that kind of character and sportsmanship, and I often wondered how many other people in that position would have shown such magnanimity in defeat. Very few. I would love to say I belong to the small number. Deep down, though, I knew I could never have done the same. For me, <coughs> there was only one thing. Winning. <laughs> winning. Winning. <laughs> By this point, reader, you may have noticed that I'd gone completely insane. But in many ways, that ushered in the most successful period of my career. We were all drunk that night, drunk on victory and success and glory, and I wanted more and more and more. Bertie (laughs) Vox came to see me with a beer. I felt nothing when I drank beer these days. My only high came from winning and glory and success and more of it and dreaming about more of it. I took a big gulp of the beer he'd handed me and then I spat the lot in his face. I said, that's what it means to me, Bertie. Nothing. And I have zero respect for you because you lost tonight and I won. (laughs) You're a loser. Lie down on the floor so I can step on you. (laughs) And you know what? He did. And I'll always give him credit for that. (laughs) It was one of my greatest memories as a footballer. (laughs) I did a little jig on him. (laughs) (laughs) And I finished off. He left and I kicked him up the arse as he left the room. And I said, see you in August in the Bundesliga. So, yes, that's exactly what happened. He moved to Hamburg, who hadn't finished above sixth in the league in 20 years. But they just won the European Cup Winners' Cup. So, you know, they were they were a team on the up kind of thing. Um, but it didn't start well, Sam. There was a distinctly unhealthy atmosphere in the dressing room, Kev says. And it, it would be so difficult convincing my new teammates I was worthy of their time. Now, this is the man who's just finished as runner-up in the European Footballer of the Year. Some would see unfairly because of the proportional representational system of voting. Yeah. A lot of people said he should have won it because of you know, the first past the post and all that. So he, he, he was he was second and he had just won the European Cup with Liverpool. Mm. And these Hamburgians fucking weren't interested in him. The they thought he was a they thought he was an imposter. And he says my first six months were a nightmare. It became painfully obvious my, a lot of my new teammates saw me as an unnecessary luxury. Um, the Hamburger just won the Cup in Cup and the players resented the bold pronouncements from the club's business manager, Dr. Peter Crone. Oh, dun, and he dun, becomes dun, a big dun. character. Yeah. So Dr. Peter Crone spoke of the arrival of a superstar from England and he said it would transform an average team. Oh. For some reason... The hamburgers. That pissed the others off. They, they didn't like this very much for whatever reason. Fuck knows why. Uh, Do not said, worry. Do not worry. I think you will soon take to our new superstar, Herr Keegan. <laughs> you will. You, you average sons of bitches. You will watch him in training every day. You will learn from him. You will become more like him. Soon we will have developed. A super German team. <laughs> you will all stand at the same height as Herr Keegan, the mighty Those mouse. Those of you who are any shorter or any taller than Herr Keegan, 
shall be sucked from the team. <laughs> and you will all you, work towards being precisely his weight. You will not be sacked immediately. I am not a monster. Dr. Crone is not a monster. You will not be sacked immediately. You will be given three weeks for you to adjust your height and weight appropriately. This, could involve, a- this could involve some kind of amputations, some kind of stretching exercises, or maybe if you are desperate, just crouching a bit. But you will become <laughs> the like same that. height as the superstar. He was, Dr. Crow was a bit like Dr. Moreau, wasn't he? Like, <laughs> and Hamburg was like his island where his he island, was developing yeah. experiments on, on human beings to make yeah. them better, stronger, <laughs> to finally develop. Oh, it is ironic, don't you think, that we will finally create the, the Aryan master race <laughs> by basing it on the template of Ein Englander. <laughs> <laughs> yes. based on the template of an adopted scouser the enemy of the evil world <laughs> um, he says he was. I was picking up bad vibes almost immediately in my first training session I can remember feeling deflated I saw so little of the ball if I made a run the passes did not come if I shouted for the ball I lost count of the number of times the player in possession went the other way all I could do was wave my arms about and hope I would be noticed. This is not what he's used to, is it? He's used to being the, the jewel in the crown. The By this stage, he's been an extremely entitled. Don't forget, this was a bloke who just a few years earlier had been rejected by Fred Leatherland. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, couldn't exactly. even get the first team at his brass works. Now he's turned up most expensive <laughs> and he's, just, he's already annoyed on his first training session. I would say, do you know what? Grow up a bit, because this is natural when you start a new job. Yeah. You're not going to get past the ball every time. You have to earn their respect. That's as it should be. Mm, exactly. He says, I was baffled and upset, but over time I did come to understand why my teammates were so cold and standoffish. Dr. Crone wanted to portray me as the club's saviour, but he didn't seem to appreciate that interview after interview loading me up, as well as announcing exactly how much I would be earning might cause friction with the other players. <laughs> oh, Crone, you fucking idiot, man. So he's told he's told them he's got this superstar scouser that he's bought, and he's also telling them now how much he's paying them as well, which which absolutely dwarfs their own salaries, even though they've just won the cup winners' cup. He had been ramming it down their throats all summer, and frankly, they were sick of hearing about this rich little Englishman who was going mm-hmm. to take the club to the next level and was so much better at football than they were. Oh, who is my this? boys. Who, who is this man you are bringing in? Who is this? Is he Rich Uncle Pennybags from the Monopoly game? And you uh, want him to play alongside us in his little top hat? Who is he? Is he Scrooge McDuck doing a backstroke in his in a swimming pool full of gold bullion? Oh, my boys, my boys, you just wait until you look upon his beauty and his expertise as a footballer and a human being. You will soon learn that he is so much more superior to all of you. And that is why I'm paying him so much more than you will ever earn. (laughs) He is all of those things and more, but you will improve. You will be inspired by him or you will perish. You will all come to call him Papa. (laughs) Papa Kevin (laughs) Papa Kevin Moneybags He says they wanted to bring me down a peg or two They wanted to make their point that their player was not going to be geared towards me Whatever my reputation and however much I was being paid Also Dr. Crone had bought in a new coach By the Mm. name of Rudy Guttendorf 
And that had also gone down badly because the players liked the previous coach and didn't see any reason to change. This sounded like an increasingly entitled... Yeah, um, bunch of shit. Yeah, Yeah. a bunch of little fucking Frank Lampards, aren't they? Yeah. They they liked the new one, Kuno Klutzer, and didn't see any reason to change him. We liked Kuno. Why didn't you keep him? But Rudy Guttendorf, which I believe um, translates literally as uh, Rudy Good Day. Yes. Um, <laughs> and how could you dislike a man with a name like that? <laughs> Rudy Good Day. Every day is a Rudy Good Day. <clears throat> <laughs> and then, Hello, Mr. Good Day. And a good day to you too, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> Just a little joke there. Just a bit of double K humour. You'll get used to that over time. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Kevin. Very funny. Very funny English humour. I like it. <laughs> Keep it up, Kevin. Um, He's good for morale. <laughs> but uh, Kev's living arrangements were, were hardly ideal. Hamburger promised they would find somewhere for Jean and myself to live, and we brought our old English sheepdogs over with us, Oliver and Heidi. That's quite a German, <laughs> a ger- couple of German names for the dogs. There, yeah. he's been getting ready yeah. for, uh, for. Do you think they changed the names of the dogs before they moved over to Germany? The probably kind of hey, like you better change fucking... it something a bit more German sounding, or they won't like yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that one, Heidi. You know, out of the program Heidi, where she's got the blind grandma. Yeah, that's yeah, German. She's isn't not it? German. She's Swiss. Nah, hey, shut thing. up! It's all the same thing. And call the other one Oliver. That doesn't sound very German to me. Yeah, but it's more German than fucking Gary. <laughs> <laughs> the contract stipulated we would have a house with a decent-sized garden, but instead they put us in a room on the nineteenth floor of the high-rise Hamburg Plaza Hotel in the middle of the city. I reckon that's one of the Hamburg players has got involved there. They've gone at the office and switched the contract over and changed the... They've scribbled out big, nice house in Hamburg countryside and put 19th floor of high-rise Hamburg Plaza Hotel. <laughs> the power player. And put Kev them in says, the dog flat. <laughs> it's not even a dog flat, though. As Kevin says, there wasn't even a balcony for the dogs to get some fresh air. The promises the club had made seemed to have been forgotten. My poor wife was stuck in the hotel day after day, taking the dogs down in the lift to walk them in the park. Oh, the humanity. We had to try and teach Oliver and Heidi to shit in the toilet. You know, <laughs> like people do. But they weren't having it. <laughs> they didn't like it. They felt they felt uncomfortable. And they felt a bit embarrassed yeah. that we watched them as they did this. They'd do it, but only if we agreed not to watch. But if we didn't watch, it was a risk they might fall down. <laughs> Uh, into Cardi. Oh, Wells Bells. It was a stressful time for all of us. <laughs> and then Heidi Heidi started shitting in the B-Day that was in the room. I've never had a B-Day before, so I just thought it was an extra toilet. <laughs> I thought it was a special dog toilet for the dogs. <laughs> and when the lads told me that it was for washing their ass in, I said, a dog doesn't need a B-Day to wash its ass. It can do it with its tongue as far as I understand it. That's how they do it in the dog world. <laughs> In the dog realm. <laughs> <laughs> the dog on a B-Day. Oh, there's actually a fantastic documentary um, that ITV did around this time where I think it might be Brian Moore goes over to Germany to visit Keegan and the dogs mm. are fucking massive. They're <laughs> absolutely huge. I think I think Gene might ride around on the backs of one of them. But, um, yeah, Kevin rode to training on one. <laughs> Yeah, it's really good. I don't even think it's on YouTube. They, they repeated it's quicker it on, than a boss. <laughs> it was on ESPN years ago, and I recorded it for posterity. This is it! First game, Hamburg was a friendly against Barcelona, and he uh, they won 6-0 and he scored. 
Uh, so everything started to come together on the pitch. But then they played Liverpool uh, in a mm. fixture that had been arranged as part of the transfer. That seems fucking stupid, doesn't it? He's got to play against his old team as one of his first games as a Hamburg player. But uh, Hamburg won 3-2. So I scored again and it was nice to see some friendly faces. Even if my former Anfield teammates let me know in the bluntest terms what they thought of my new haircut. Yes, that haircut. <laughs> so the perm was part mm. of his reinvention. His German a, rebranding. As a continental superstar. Yeah. So that, that didn't exist when he was at Liverpool. He got that done before he went to Germany. I'm a cockscrew the- perm, Herr Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> if you examine your contract small print, I think you will find it is in there. <laughs> oh, cracky. I'll sit down, I'll sit down and, and take your anaesthetic. Then we can begin. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. I wish my agent had <laughs> spotted this. <laughs> he says, it still amuses me that a lad from Donny with flared trousers, sticky up collars and platform shoes could suddenly be thought of as a trailblazer for the fashions of the time. I don't think anybody really thought he was a trailblazer of no. any kind of fashion city. Everyone thought but- it was shit. It wasn't actually the, it wasn't actually a, a, a Nazi hairdresser that administered an anaesthetic and then did his hair. It was Kev's own hairdresser friend. It says here Herbert Howe. <laughs> Herbert Howe, the hairdresser, <laughs> convinced me it was time for a change. So uh, there we are. Do you think he was like a? Because I'm picturing a very 1970s sort of <laughs> depiction of a of a hair a male hairdresser in a chiffon neckerchief. <laughs> And, yeah. a, and a hand on one hip. <laughs> Kevin, I'm here to do your perm. <laughs> Don't you worry your little head about it. It's called fashion, Kevin. <laughs> Look at the pictures on my wall. Everyone's getting them done. Now sit down, take your anaesthetic. So he went to meet his wife, Jean, in a restaurant after he'd had it done. It says, when I walked in feeling like a cool stream guard and at least six inches taller, she collapsed in uncontrollable hysterics. <laughs> and my agent Harry Swales opted for the approach of pretending he didn't know me. Gene <laughs> <laughs> was still laughing twenty minutes later after sending me to the toilet to put some water on it. <laughs> so um, I still always think of Kevin Keegan as having that poem, which is funny yeah. because when he got it, I was like two, two or three, mm. and by the time he'd got rid of it, I was probably about nine. And most of my memories of Kevin Keegan are in at Newcastle or City or Fulham or England, throughout which he n- no had perm. not even a semblance Permless. of a perm. And yet, no. if I picture him in my head, he's always got the perm. That's how powerful. The- in many ways, it was the most powerful hairstyle of all time. Yeah, well, he he sort of um, says that because, as you say, he's, he's mentioned that he is a pioneer in the fashion world, and then he gives us a list of other players that also adopted the perm after him, as if to say, told you so, told you yeah. so. Here is a list of other players that also got the perm, just like me, but after me. Phil Thompson, Terry McDermott, Phil Neal, Charlie George, Brian Robson, various others. Tony Woodcock. You didn't mention Tony Woodcock. Um, so there I we are. I could go on and on and on and on, and I will. <laughs> In the second volume of this book. The players in Germany might not have been sure about me, but at least I could console myself with the thought there were people going into hairdressers across Britain to ask for a Kevin Keegan, please. <laughs> no, they weren't. No, they weren't. Of course they weren't. <laughs> so there we are. That's the beginning of um, Keegan's Hamburg hell. And we'll leave it there for this episode. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week with another one, part 10 of the Keegan Odyssey. 
Yeah. Glad that we finally arrived in Germany. Not anywhere near halfway through his story. No, we've got Southampton, Newcastle player, Newcastle management, retirement in Spain, England manager, all that to come. This could go on for yeah, months. Manchester City, Fulham, the lot. But, you know, all I can say is I hope you all like Kevin Keegan stories. <laughs> as much as we do. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. Bye bye. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.